This week, I got ghosted in a bad way. A writer sets me up and then ignores, or maybe they got fired, but not really because the article was done. Oh well, let's review it. So Halloween is a time for articles, news stories, TV shows, news TV shows, all, all, all the likes. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, when it comes to Halloween and usually the rush that comes through, I'm always very overwhelmed by the amount of requests. But this year it's been very quiet. Now, there's been a ton of articles out there, articles done for other ghost groups and tours and whatnot. I, I, I don't normally reach out for this stuff. I'm not much in the way of marketing. People who know me know that for sure. So if it comes to me, it comes to me. I'll accept it. I'll just kind of roll with it. I'm totally cool with doing it that way. And if it's for other folks, I'm, I'm very happy for them. And I believe that the promotion around one ghost tour is good for all ghost tours. And I would hope that other folks who lead ghost tours feel the same way. Because, I mean, in a sense, it's not like we're selling a product. You know what I mean? It, like the product that everybody sells, it's the exact same thing, like a, a chocolate bar, for example. So I, in, the, in the world of ghosts, I don't need promotion for my store selling the same chocolate bar as everybody else. Because what every tour offers is something different. So if somebody's in Toronto... They're going to take to Toronto tours. If somebody's in Hamilton, they're going to take the Hamilton tours, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you do have uh, similar tours in the same location, like Toronto, for example, then it, it becomes a little bit more competitive, but not overly, because I would like to think that you know certain areas are covered by certain people. And I remember when we did the Toronto tour for a little bit, there was like three different tours, including ours, that ran similar routes not exactly the same. And I would think that, you know, whoever's telling the best stories, whoever's the most energetic and best to listen to, they're going to be the ones that succeed. So in a sense that, you know, if it's just set to locations, then it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. You know, who does the article, who talks about ghosts? I mean, in the world of, you, you want the word to get out there especially in a, in a secular country like Canada, where a lot of people just think ghosts are a lark. They're a joke. They're just something to do at Halloween. You know, it's not something that has any interest throughout the entire year. And I've always didn't, that's my goal in life has always been to, to push that and, uh, and, and do it differently and to try and show that there's some seriousness to this. I mean, having a belief in ghosts is having a belief in the spiritual side of reality. And I think there's an advantage of that to many people who are stressed out in their life. If you can become more spiritual and not see it as a joke, you also get more connected to yourself. And I think you can be a calmer person all around. It's definitely helped me. That That's how I see it. Anyway, uh, the, the, the original point that I was trying to make is that uh, it doesn't matter who gets the articles, who gets the TV shows. Just the idea of being able to tell ghost stories in a really entertaining and interesting way is what needs to be done so i'm not angry i need you to know this so you know daniel's angry at that writer i'm not so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say the name of the writer uh, i don't think any hate would come their way i'm not that powerful a podcast host 
anything like that. But I just, you know, just out of respect, I'm not going to say the name. So here's the situation. So I, I was set up to do an interview, which happens at Halloween. I say yes to pretty much all of them. It's very rare that I'll say no to this unless I'm extremely overwhelmed. Then I'll, I'll back off because I, I enjoy doing them. I enjoy being interviewed. I enjoy talking to folks, telling ghost stories, of course. So this writer, um, a writer for uh, a, a website locally, I won't say specifically, just within southern Ontario, uh, approaches me through email and says, we want to talk about some haunted places in Hamilton. Uh, I want to talk to somebody from the ghost walks. I usually take those personally. And I said, yes, everything was all set up, ready to go. We had the date set that I was going to talk to her on the phone. And uh, she was going to ask me some questions. We go over some different locations. Uh, it was all set up. I even did uh, prep. I uh, brought up some of the local places. I, I know there was a limit to these articles, which is going to be proven when I go through the review in a moment. But I just, I, I wanted the prep. I wanted to have some places to talk about. And I always, I try not to, with these certain articles with limits, I don't get too detailed. I'll just keep the over bird's eye view of the stories. But I'll make sure that, you know, it's like accurate and that none of the main points are missed. So I do, I do prep for these. If anybody's, if I'm, if you think I'm doing it off the cuff, hopefully it doesn't sound like I'm doing it off the cuff. <laughs> I, I actually try. I'm actually trying my best, you guys. Uh, so I did the prep. Everything's all ready. Uh, we get to the time, and I'm sitting at my my desk, and I'm ready to go, and the phone doesn't ring. So like you know, five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes pass. I didn't, I, I realized afterwards she had filled out a contact form and when she put in the phone number, she had missed a number. And it makes me think afterwards that maybe this was done on purpose. So I tried looking up this person's number and I couldn't find it. So I didn't, I, didn't, I only had the email address. So I, I sent an email off to them. And when I hit the refresh on the email, it, it, it came back with an error. So the email bounced. And I was looking at the error. I was like, what is it? What happened? And it said that, um, their email address has been disabled. So when I saw this, I was like, oh my goodness, this is so weird. I was like, is it the, the day that they were set to interview me about Hamilton haunted places that they got fired or let go? <laughs> is there budget cuts? It was, I, I laugh because I know it's not the truth now, but it's just, it was like, what's, what's going on? I felt so bad. So I, I couldn't email her. I couldn't talk. I couldn't call. I didn't have the full phone number. So I just let it go. I was like, ah, you know, something happened uh, that changed it. Obviously, the email's been canceled for a reason. Now I'm, I'm wondering even after the fact that maybe she just blocked my email address. I, I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. Uh, but, you know, I, was, I wasn't thinking anything strange about it. I just assumed that, you know, the article was done for because I, I didn't hear from this person again. Fast forward. I uh, get my wonderful Google alerts. I have them set up for all the best of all the different uh, ghost and haunted related keywords, especially locally, because I want to know what's going on. And all of a sudden I get this this uh, alert that there's an article that's called the top five most haunted uh, sites in Hamilton. And it wasn't like, I, I looked at the link and it wasn't the same web news organization that the person worked like represented when they sent me the email so i was like okay this must be just a coincidence that there's another one and then i clicked on it and it was the same name so i 
it's the same name and i just uh it's funny i roll over the name right now (laughs) i'm doing this right right as i'm talking to you guys i'm rolling over the name right now and i look at the bottom and the link that it goes to is the original site that the person represented themselves for which is not the one that the article is currently posted there's something weird going on here is it me personally is it is it is a found something out about me that I don't know about. But uh, yeah, so that's a very strange situation. But the article got posted. And again, I'm happy. I know it doesn't sound like it, but I'm happy that uh, somebody's talking about haunted places in Hamilton, even though I will have some comments about some of the things in the choice of the top five here. I would have definitely done it differently. I'm not sure where this person got their um, their information and decided that they were going to do it in this regard because, I mean, if you're not familiar with Hamilton, those listening, like, it is one of the more haunted places in all of Canada, hands down. And I've been I've been touting this. It's where I was born and raised. It's just amazing. Like it got a reputation for its ghosts, which is to say something, especially in a a little baby country like uh, Canada where we just don't have that much history like some of the other countries. Not as much tragedy and violence happened in this country that have happened in others that could create such ghost stories. But Hamilton is just on a on a different level when it comes to its ghosts. So when you do a top five in Hamilton, it's not just a throw-off. It's not you're just, just saying, okay, yeah, these are the only places that are haunted, so let's just call it top five. That's not what it is. Because if there's a top list, you could have like a hundred on that list. So when you're picking five, there's a lot of a lot of thought and choice. I'm a real nerd when it comes to <laughs> Hamilton ghosts, and it's, I hope it's coming through in this this episode. Okay, let's let's review it. Uh, I got it up on the screen here. So yeah, so the current news organization that I'm in is just uh, different than the one that she originally sent the email from. And like I said, now I, I see the link. I'm going to click on the link. is going over to the original. Yeah, and that's the same email that I was trying to email that came back saying it was disabled. I don't know. I just like, shoot it out to any modern IT people out there. Is it if, if I was blocked, would the bounce message say disabled? I would think it'd say blocked or just nothing at all. It would just put it to her junk mail or something. I don't know. I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, so we have then her opinion, the top five, going from five to one. And the first one is Albion Falls. Now, I'm not going to read directly from the article for copyright reasons, but I will reference some quotes and whatnot, but just an overall thought on each of the locations on whether I think it deserves to be on this list. And if I were going to be talking about Albion Falls, 100%, it deserves to be on this list. Would I put it at number five? Maybe. I mean, considering it's an outdoor location, there's nothing specifically indoor anymore. There's The old hotel's been demolished, the uh, blacksmith shops in ruins. I mean, there's a, a cemetery. The cabin where that uh, mob murder took place is not there anymore. I mean, it's just an open field where they found a torso. And, of course, the story of Jane Riley, who was mentioned in this article, is, again, just an open area at Albion Falls. So, uh, yeah, no, it wouldn't definitely come up high on my list just because it's an open area, but 
just in the sense of where it takes place, what's happened there over the years. Like it is, I've always claimed, as I have an article on the Ghost Walks website that claims 100% that this would have been the darkest history uh, town in all of Canada if it still existed. If by chance they kept those buildings instead of wiping them off of the face of the earth thanks to progress, uh, the Red Hill Expressway goes right through it. There's uh, surveys there now. I mentioned it's just, yeah, the falls, the cemetery, and uh, the ruins of the blacksmith shop. Those are the only things that remain of the original Mount Albion town that was there. So people just call it Albion Falls now, but it's the same area. And yeah, dark, dark history. I just I kind of hinted as uh, it was a f- infamous mob dumping ground, including they mentioned uh, Rocco Perry. Uh, yes, I'm the, one of the disappearances is related to an abandoned cabin that used to stand in Albion. It's no longer there. And then she also mentions uh, Evelyn Dick. Yeah, and it's true. Yeah, about a kilometer down the road from the falls is where they found the torso in 1946. This was Evelyn's husband, John, a local bus driver. And eventually she was accused and put on trial for his murder. But it's funny. I just, I just know, I just commented on this, noticed uh, she put in the article, I quote, accused murderer Evelyn Dick. <laughs> I think we're beyond that. Because if you're going to say accused for someone who's like a historically noted demon like Evelyn Dick, I mean, I mean, consider this in the sense that, uh, yeah, she was never found guilty for the murder of her husband. The police mishandled evidence. So she ended up, uh, it was like a mistrial that was declared. But they did put her back on trial because when they were searching the Carrick Avenue home, this was her marriage home, in the attic, they found a suitcase, and it was heavy. They opened it. It was like a block of cement, and when they, they chiseled away the cement, they found the body of a baby boy. So she gets accused not only of murdering her husband or at least being involved with it because, you know, she probably had help to dump the uh, torso. They say her father and her boyfriend were the two that helped her dump the torso. Maybe they did it for her. But then she also accused, accused of murdering a baby. But this this accusal is 100% accurate because... So yeah, no, that's incorrect. It is incorrect to say accused because she was found guilty for murdering a baby. I don't know. I don't know if she was like, is this trying to... Accused murderer is trying to like, you know, show some sympathy. for <laughs> It's just weird. It's just weird to me. Uh, she was supposed to spend life in Kingston Penitentiary, but that didn't pan out. They only gave her 10 years and then... Uh, gave her a brand new identity, so it became a mystery of what happened to her after she was released. So would I put Albion on the list? 100%. Would it be marked as number five in the top list, uh, five list? For sure. Uh, so now I do agree uh, with its choice. Uh, next one, not so much. I mean, if I'm picking a top five list, I'm not. I'm not including this one. This one would probably be included in maybe a top 20 list. Of Hamilton, it's the Coach and Lantern, Coach and Lantern Restaurant, which is located in Ancaster. Now, Ancaster, hands down, is definitely haunted. I mean, there's just so much history there. The third oldest community in all of uh, uh, in Ontario, uh, Kingston and Niagara on the Lake are the only ones that are older. Uh, she put in the article here, Ancaster's third oldest building. I don't know if that's true. 
I, I don't think it is. I think that was just a confusion with Ancaster being the third oldest community. But anyway, maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, Coach and Lantern Pub. I, I've um, oh, first the history. Uh, she confused it. So she confused. I think. I don't know about this fire, but there was a. It says that a fire decimated it, and it was rebuilt in 1823. I'm not sure about that. Because she also confused, she said the War of 1812 traders were sentenced to death here, and that's completely incorrect. So directly across the street from the Coach and Lantern, there's a, a plaque which marks the what's known as the Bloody Assizes. I talk about it on the Hermitage Tour, I talk about it on the Dark Trolley Tour, and uh, just an interesting piece of history, eight treasonous men were hanged. Not in Ancaster. They were tried in Ancaster, but they were hanged on the site where Dundurn Castle is today, so the back corner. So she says that they were sentenced to death in the Coach and Lantern. That's 100% not true. It was across the street. The, the confusion is a lot of the buildings in Ancaster look similar, and there was a Union Hotel across the street originally going back to the 1700s, and then the, I guess there was another, I don't think it's like they, they didn't move it as far as I know, but there was another Union Hotel across the street where the Coach and Lantern is. So the, because the two sides were called Union Hotel, they were both the same name, couldn't think of a new name, uh, that, that's where the confusion comes from. So everybody thinks that because it was the Union Hotel uh, that they think that's the side, but it's not. It was across the street. So I would have corrected her on this. Sorry to be a stickler. I know I'm coming off as one of those those uh, crazy uh, historians. Like you need to get oh from accuracy within within five feet. <laughs> no, I mean directly across the street. Completely different building does not exist anymore. Uh, that definitely needs to be corrected. So uh, they say that there's a ghost. That she she basically took uh, some of this off of their website. So the Coach and Lantern website which I'm going to reference in a moment. But I did have a personal event that I ran there. This is going years back. I used to have something called a Ouija night. So I took the best part of the hunts that I used to do, uh, the Ouija board, and then I would do an evening where I just had a whole bunch of Ouija boards and people would try and contact the other side. And people are thinking, why don't you do that anymore? You know the reason why? Because it didn't work. And it makes complete sense why it didn't work. I mean, you think about it. Uh, if if uh, you were like if you're talking on a walkie-talkie, for example, like it's not like every walkie-talkie. It's not like the Ouija boards can all be set to different frequencies. I mean, technically, it can. You know what? I'm I'm actually thinking that maybe it, maybe it would work, as long as every like people were in different emotional frequencies. Hmm. Think about that. Okay, this is gonna sound a bit crazy, but just go with me. So just say you had like um, a group of six tables, each with its own Ouija board, and then each had, um, let's say, just say three energizers, three regular folks touching the planchet, and then you had a, a, a leader, uh, so four people total on each, and they were all trying to contact the other side at the same time. Now, if they were trying to, okay, here's the thing, if they were trying to contact the energy of the building, and they were all in a certain emotional frequency, like say they were all calm, then I don't think it's going to work, right? I mean, if it's the same frequency, they're all going to kind of like conflict with each other. So if that something comes through, it might be similar or be confusing. 
and it wouldn't work. But just let's say you brought in, you had the leaders or like the majority of the team was in a certain state. Like you got one table, oh, try and feel anxious. Another table, feel calm. Another table will feel angry. Like think about something that makes you angry. Would that work? Oh my goodness, it's like a, this is, I'd say scientific, but I know scientists would be like, shut up, you ghost loving freak. <laughs> this isn't science, but for me it is. And I would, I, you could test this out. You could like put people in different emotional states and see if they pick up on something different. I totally believe that. I mean, in the sense that in your own general life, if you go around constantly angry about stuff, you're going to draw in angry situations and chaotic situations to your life. So, I mean, it, it, it goes to say that, you know, you'd bring in certain energy to the board if you did that. Okay, so I take it back. I think it's possible. Will I do it again? Probably not. But, I mean, it's possible. So I did the Ouija nights there. I did not include my scientific study. <laughs> I just did it normal. I let people be people. They set up. And if, if, if they weren't getting any results on the boards, then I would actually swap teams. So teams are just randomly selected at the beginning. And then if it didn't work, I'd say, okay, you come over here, you go over there. We'll see if we can kind of kick things up. And then some tables would have like good results and other tables, nothing at all. But the coach and lantern, the location, I, I was mostly nothing. I, I forget. I think the pheasant. Oh yeah. The pheasant plucker. So the other, the haunted restaurant in downtown Hamilton, that was the other place. And that one had decent results. I remember it was quite energetic, but the coach and lantern, not so much. Didn't seem to really have that oomph to get it going. So uh, from that point of view, I'd never really personally had anything ghostly happen to me there. But again, I hadn't spent too much time inside the building. So maybe maybe the, you know, the workers for sure would come up with something. Speaking of workers, just happened to pull up their website here coachandlantern.ca if you're interested I remember the food being decent I remember it was good so they have a section on uh, about the coach and then I guess it just talks about the building itself which now that I look at it oh that's where she got it it's almost word for word <laughs> Ancaster's third oldest building is today known as one of the best pubs in the city with live music and a European inspired patio so let's go to their website Building was built in the late 70s. It is the third oldest building in Ancaster. Ancaster is the third oldest community in Ontario. So they they did mention that. So there is a so it's, it's right. It's 100% right. So she took the information off the site here. So they have a little second section off to the side from the main one. It says fact or fiction with a question mark. Always have to say that with ghosts just in case. Uh, I'll, I'll read it word for word. There have been many ghostly encounters over the years. In fact, the old owners were afraid to stay here alone at any time. A more recent staff member had taken several digital photos of guests over the years. Several of those photos exposed strange orbs on or very near the guests. One waitress even encountered a gentleman sitting at a table with his back to her. When the waitress returned with a menu only a few feet away, the strange man had disappeared. Why is he strange? Sorry, I'm not reviewing this. I'm reviewing the article, not this. My bad. Uh, so yeah, I don't know how old that experience is, but um, that's actually a common one. I remember it was the Jester's Qu Court, I think it was, the restaurant in Port Perry. Uh, 
similar experience. And I think, uh, what's the one in, uh, Lemp Mansion, uh, which I talked like the cursed family, the Lemp family that had a similar experience as well with a uh, guy at a table. Continuing another gentleman disappeared right before the eyes of a waitress. Later that day, a customer who hadn't been to the pub in two years asked if the waitress had ever seen anything strange, like that strange man. Sorry. In fact, the customer had seen that very same gentleman. This is the one who disappeared before her eyes, not the man at the table. Several other guests recall seeing his he same gentleman. I think they mean the same gentleman. Many dishwashers have left, and one cook with a temper was scared off by a loud footsteps often coming what? Sorry. Wait, what? Okay, sorry. Let me reread that. Many dishwashers have left, and one cook with a temper was scared off by loud footsteps often coming to... Why do you got to mention he had a temper? That's so mean. Well, think about it. Like, If I was that cook, I'd be upset. Like, why you... The temper has nothing to do with the story, unless, like, when the footsteps are coming, it's like, get away from me, footsteps, I hate you. It's like, okay so the coach and lantern is haunted it has ghostly experiences and she did so would i put it moving right along would i put it on a top five list definitely not top 20 list 100 percent. number three wooden mansion now this one i have to create umbrage with did i use that right sorry let me just look up the uh, meaning of umbrage umbrage Umbridge. No, it comes up with Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter. Uh, let me just Umbridge meaning. Meaning. Umbridge. Okay, I did use it correctly. It means offense or annoyance, but I spelled it incorrectly. I spelled it like Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter. My bad. So I take Umbridge with this number three. Uh, you, you, like Woodend Mansion is an interesting place. It has one of the darker stories of history for Ancaster and Hamilton in general. But I mean, you you're you're picking a location that's right near one of the most haunted hotspots to ever exist in all of Canada, and I mean like generations of people know about this, and they didn't even feature it in the list. So I don't know. Maybe it's because it's been talked about too much. And in fact, I had another reporter come to me from the same website. I'll post it on the, uh, the social pages in a, in a couple weeks. And I did it. I did. I had an experience at the Hermitage, which I will feature in a future episode that, uh, you know, I mean, just proves in this way. Like, we had a, such a great night on the 27th with the full moon, the wind, the warmer weather. It was just different to be out there around Halloween time. And that 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 strange weather just stirred stuff up. So, I mean, to have the Hermitage ruins, seriously, the her- like the most known haunted place, definitely like one of the most known in Canada for, for Hamilton, probably tops. And to say Woodend is more haunted than that in the top, like, 100%. I call Umbridge, Umbridge. <laughs> so anyway, Woodend Mansion, though, is an interesting place and historically has a dark story with it. But to be honest, I've never heard any ghost stories beyond that. And the folks who run it, the Conservation Authority, I have a good relationship with them running the Hermitage Ruins, and they've never mentioned anything about the the house being haunted. So I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm going to read off what was mentioned in the article here. 
and and tell you right off the bat that I I I maybe she took liberties in writing it. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I mean, he can he can uh, exaggerate certain stories, but I don't know like what what the reference is for that one. It's very possible there's like a site out there that mentions it, but then again, is that one right? I don't know. They never they never shared anything with me, so. Anyway, what I mentioned very quickly, uh, used to belong to a man named John Heslop. He was the treasurer of the town of Ancaster, where the Hermitage and the Coach and Lantern are today. And yeah, he woke up in the middle of the night because people broke in. So he had uh, armed intruders in his house. It says 1891. I will take that as the fact. And uh, he heard that from the second floor. So he goes to to look and they they yelled out like, give us the money because he's the treasurer right so they knew he he held the money for the town of ancaster in his house give us the money and he was he refused i mean this guy was just like never i will never do that so he uh grabbed the chair in the hallway that was his weapon and i when i used to tell this story this is what i would say you tell me this is good good or not he brought a chair to a gunfight huh Okay, I don't know. He brought a chair to a... I don't know if I was expecting a response from that. <laughs> that would have been weird. A chair to a gunfight because the intruders had guns. So they, uh, the guy pulls out a gun. He starts shooting. Uh, hits John, uh, I think, multiple times. John falls down the stairs and then hits the bottom. And that's where he dies. So they never caught the murderers. They got away. They never got the money because of his, uh, his uh, toughness his bravery and his upstanding character. And they say that there's still a blood stain in the wood. Now, I never confirmed that with the HCA people. Or maybe I did, because I did go on a tour of the house at one point. And I don't know if I, I asked. There was like a... No, I think it was like permanent carpeting down now, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on that. But that you know the rumor is that the blood stain is still there. That it's soaked into the wood and they never replaced the wood. They just put a... A rug over top of it. So anyway, uh, the article here, what she says is, legend has it that Heslop's spirit lingers in the house, which now serves as a headquarters for the HCA. Uh, visitors recounted hearing dragging sounds coming from the attic, along with footsteps meandering throughout the residence. Local lore suggests that Heslop's bloodstain remains in the Sterling. That's what I was saying, yeah. Serving as a haunting reminder that justice has yet to be served. It's good. I mean, it's very well written. I just, the dragging sounds, I, I never heard of that. So I'd be interested to know where that comes from. If anybody else knows, let me know. And I will, I will eat crow, as they say. Wait, is that, is that term correct? Let me just look that up here. <laughs> eat crow meaning... Uh, be humiliated by having to admit one's defeats or mistakes. Yes, so I am correct, and I, I spelled it correctly this time. Eat crow if I find out that uh, the dragging sounds were actually true. Now, I will state clearly, even though I was wronged by this person in a way, is that number one and two are good. I 100% agree with uh, number one and two. I probably wouldn't have chose number two as number two. In a list, I, number two would have been maybe number four or number five, but I would, and I'm, we're learning more and more about it every year because we do the special event there. It's Dunder and Castle, by the way. 
so yeah, I mean, over the years, as we learn more, more experiences are shared, it might move up on that list. So maybe maybe it is number two. Maybe this person knows the future. Maybe they're psychic, and they're picking up on the future. Like, yeah, this is going to be eventually number two, and I'll be like, oh, I was wrong again. But yeah, no, number two is Dunder and Castle. If you don't know Dunder and Castle, you're not from Hamilton, I completely understand. If you are from Hamilton, you should know it. It is the largest historic house in the city. Definitely the most known. It's considered a national monument. Uh, Sir Alan McNabb, the fellow who had it built, he was a former prime minister. Now you say, oh, I don't see him on the list for Canada. He, it was, this was before Canada was formed. So he was a prime minister of Upper Canada, which is now Ontario. A uh, very well-respected businessman, not towards the end. And uh, you know, the historians don't really like to talk too much about that, but not, not, not towards the end. Towards the end, he had a bit of a uh, downfall, as some of his ilk tend to do. But uh, still very well-respected in the country. Uh, definitely, you know, part of the history of Hamilton. Definitely part of the history of Canada in general. Beautiful house. You know, amazing house. And uh, worth a full episode to talk about. I'm sure I'll do that in the future. So I'm just going to gloss over this kind of... And just mention, uh, yeah, it said that in 1813... 11 men were hung from trees and across the street. I had to mention this because it is wrong in so many ways. 1813, the war was still going on, so that it didn't happen. And this is the bloody assizes again. This is the same thing that was mentioned in the Coach and Lantern. The War of 1812 traitors were sentenced to death here. That's incorrect. It was across the street. So the eight men, eight, not 11, who were sentenced in Ancaster were then brought down to Dundurn Castle, and I believe, like, originally I thought it was across the street, but I think it's actually in the back corner. Somebody Google map pinned it in the back corner. It's, if, if somebody can correct me on this to know exactly where the bloody assizes hangings took place, I would love to hear it, because originally I thought it was across near where the Hamilton Cemetery is, but then I was corrected on that by whoever pinned the Google map saying it was in the back corner, so I'm not 100% sure, but I mean, the back corner of Dundurn Park would make more sense, I think, because uh, Richard Beasley, who owned the land before McNabb, is the one who allowed the land to be used because he was one of the founders of Ancaster. So the trial takes place in Ancaster. One of the founders then gives up his land. He had a house where Dundurn Castle is today. In fact, the, the basement of the castle was worked into the Sorry, the basement of his house was worked into the castle. It's like the same, the same stone. So it makes sense that the eight men, eight, not 11, 1816, I believe, not 1813. Oh my God, now I suck. I just looked it up. It's actually 1814, uh, not 1816. So the war technically was like, I was just getting towards the end that um, they were hanged. It was just hanged. Uh, it says July 20th, 1814. So we're both wrong. We're both. She said 1813. I said 1816. It's actually 1814. If this was The Price is Right, she'd win. I'd lose because I went over. She was close to it. <laughs> so, but it was eight. It was eight, 100%. And I don't know if it was across the street or not. I, it might. Okay, yeah, you know what? If it was part of the British, that actually makes sense. Okay, because the British did have a camp where the uh, cemetery is today. That's why the, the earthworks in the cemetery that the mausoleums back into, those are from the camp. Uh, 
So it says that the uh, eight men were hanged at the British military camp. So then that's 100% true. Okay, so I'm more wrong than her. And because I'm a fair, honest fellow that's not getting cut from the podcast, even though it makes me look like a complete idiot, this is not the first time, will definitely not be the last time. But uh, yeah, so just so we're correct, in 1814, eight men were hanged, I don't say hung, were hanged for treason across the street. That's the true statement. Not 1813, 11 men, it was 1814, eight men, but it was across the street. So there we go. I'm going to have to fix that Google map. So yeah, she brings that up as being part of the overall energy that attributes uh, to Dunder Castle. I'm not sure if you can, you know, put that on the house itself. Uh, of course, uh, it mentions the cholera victims. Uh, this was actually uh, across the street again in the cemetery. There's a mass grave for it. And that um, says that Sir Alan McNabb's house. I'm not 100% sure about that, although I did get a ghost photo from one of the Dunder and Castle and a bus tour nights we had in October. Somebody got a really good ghost photo. Funny enough, it was a friend. I did. I didn't even know he was there. That's that's how terrible I am. He was. He was. He said he was dressed up. I don't know if he's just being nice, and I'm just very, very out of it. On those on those event nights, I'm a hundred percent focused on the story. So if anybody comes and for some reason I I jilted you in any way, I apologize in advance. Because uh, yeah, I'm just I'm a hundred percent focused on the tour, and uh, if I don't like specifically have you come up and right into my face. I'm probably not going to notice. So Phil Warder, uh, Unexplained Inc. podcast. He was there with a group of folks, including his daughter. And on his daughter's camera, they caught an interesting figure in one of the, the picture portraits on the wall. It had reflected back. He thinks it's somebody in the group. I have another theory. So if you, if you guys join the Ghost Walks Facebook and Instagram pages, just the Ghost Walks, at the Ghost Walks, I'm going to post it on there with my theory. You'll see the pictures. It looks just like a portrait of Sir Alan McNabb. And it seems like the ghosts of that building like to communicate through portraits because it's the same thing with Sophia, the daughter, showing up in the wedding photo, uh, which is mentioned on the tour. It's like, this just looks like similar something to that. So I'll put them side by side on the Facebook page probably in the next... Um, I'm going to do a series over the next few weeks uh, every Tuesday at 7 p.m. it's going to post a different ghost photo because this has been a very active Halloween. I have a collection of ghost photos that I need to post that are all awesome. A couple are on a different level. Awesome and creepy. But this is this is definitely one of them. I'm going to post it side by side with the portrait that looks to me like it could be it. It's hard to tell, but I mean, there's something to it. So yeah, stay tuned. Uh, shameless plug. Join the page at the ghost walks on instagram or facebook or both if you guys are crazy so yeah dundern castle definitely a supposed haunted place we talk about on the event definitely deserves another number two spot again i say number four or five but who knows this is the future it could be number two or one and number one hundred percent number one the custom house <laughs> love it love it I, lo- I love I absolutely love that this is considered one of the top buildings because it just proves to me that no matter how much they don't want it to be true this isn't over the years I mean sometimes you know people they get focused on the history 
And as respect for the history, you can usually back off on some of the ghost stories. But some stories, they just have a life of their own. And no matter how much you try and fight it, that the general public sees a building in a certain way. And just to tell you, this didn't start with me. This didn't start with Haunted Hamilton back in the day. This didn't start with us. It was just it just known. I mean, uh, when I originally got connected with this building over 20 years ago, they had these ghost stories already. Like they not not all of them. I mean, we definitely learned and experienced a bunch of stuff over the years. But in general, like the main ones, especially the Dark Lady, the legend with the Dark Lady, that wasn't us. Like that wasn't initially told to us. They had documents going back many years before we got in there about the supposed haunts of the place. Definitely about the Dark Lady. And experiences related to her predated anything that I've done in the buildings over the years. This is going over 20 years ago. Just with the ghosts themselves. So you can almost say, kind of like the Hermitage Ruins as well, it's any of the places where the ghost stories and the rumors around that kind of predate you know, the tours that are being done about it today for sure, but they also have a history of their own. Like the Hermitage, people have been trespassing out there since like 50, 60 years ago. So you could say that that is historic for kids to go out there and tell ghost stories is just as historic as the ruins themselves. Well, not as historic, but I mean, you, you know what I mean. So it's the same thing with the, the Custom House. So I just want to state that. It's like they get a life of their own because over the years, generations of kids keep hearing about them. And if you grow up hearing those ghost stories, you know, you take it with you into your life, you're going to share it with your family members. And the most uh, legit and successful corporations are the ones that last generations that have been around for over 100 years because it becomes a part of the general public. You know, it's like the, the, the corporations where you say the corporate name instead of the actual item itself, like Kleenex, for example. You say Kleenex instead of facial tissues. I had, they actually had the pause because I couldn't remember what they were. It's the same idea with these types of stories. So places just get known as haunted. You can't fight it. You can't change it. You might be wondering, why is Daniel making this rant? There's certain people out there that need to hear it. That's why I made it. So anyway, Custom House list says number one, 100%. Now, I don't... Like, I'm coming to the end of the podcast episode right now, so I can't really get into detail. I've done multiple podcast episodes talking about the different haunted places. Go check those out. Uh, and just the story around the legend itself is is worth reading, and I, it's definitely out there. Uh, if not, shoot me a message through the website, ghostwalks.com. Put a comment or something on this this show, and I'll, I'll cover it on a future episode It deserves its own episode, and it deserves to be number one. So right on board with it. So 100% agree with you on that. So, I mean, the whole situation just in general kind of seemed weird, you know, being ghosted like that by by the writer and knowing that she wasn't fired is also kind of strange. But in the end, I don't care. Like I kind of hinted throughout, uh, we need more ghost stories, everyone. I don't care if they come to me, if they go to other folks uh, who run tours, if they go to paranormal investigators. It doesn't matter. Just a message. If, if you are in that camp that I just mentioned, just tell a good story. I mean, just, just talk about it. If you can connect it with history, 
perfect. But the more vivid the story is, the experience that you had, the more people are going to take notice. So be careful with the, the old tropes. Oh, they hear footsteps or they hear something dragging or the lights flickered on and off. I mean, these are the things that are told in absolutely everything. Pet peeve of mine to see them in articles. I don't like that. You know, if you're going to tell a story, if you're going to do an article, you got to dive a little bit deeper. And this writer did that. I mean, she she did some extra research, not that much, but some extra research. But you stay away from the original tropes that everybody hears, and then they'll just kind of gloss over or just laugh at and make it a story. I mean, if it happened to you personally, then that's the story to tell. I, 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 I And I will read it. I will be the first person on, maybe not the first, but I will definitely be on that site reading your story. Because if it's beyond the old tropes, if it has some character to it, if it has some detail to it, then it also has validity to it. So then the more you tell these stories, the more it will be accepted by regular folks, and the less ghosts will be seen as a joke. And as the show, everyone, uh, thank you so much for listening. If you are enjoying the Ghost Guy Daniel podcast, uh, very easy to help me out. Just leave a review. Doesn't matter how you listen. Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, tape recorder, whatever. Uh, just leave a review. I highly appreciate it. Helps me out. Makes it look like I'm bigger than I am. Thanks. <laughs> I'll talk to you next week.